really used the art and the opportunity to express emotion physically and just their the daily grind of going through or class and exercises that were the same every day. It's almost a form of meditation and therapy. On this podcast, we speak with Kathleen Breen Combs, Executive Director of Festival Ballet Providence and former principal dancer with Boston Ballet. We discuss the importance of taking chances and pushing boundaries in art, the responsibility of artistic directors to provide platforms for diverse voices while respecting traditions, and the communal nature of live art experiences. Let's get started on Leadership Unboxed with Kathleen Breen Combs. Thanks for taking the time today. Thank you so much for having me. So let's start at the very beginning. Can you share your story of how you first discovered your love for dance and what was it that captivated you about the art form? You know, people ask me this all the time and I always try to like pinpoint that moment of like when I fell in love with ballet or when I figured that it was something I had to do. And I always say that like there was never the option of stopping once I started, but it was just like the option of not having it in my life never arose. Like it was part of my being that I had to be a dancer or in this art form. So that was from very, very early on. But I remember one particular moment I was chosen at eight years old to be an extra in a performance of Cinderella at City Center for a guest performing company. And I simply had to walk on stage and pull somebody's cape, stand there, and then pick up her cape at the end and walk off. I was on stage for maybe 30 seconds, but it was like enough for me to be like, this is the lifestyle I want. Like everything about it. I love backstage. I love the glamour. I love the audience. So from that moment, I was like, this is the lifestyle that I, that I really, really want for myself. Thanks for sharing that. And moving on to those early inspirations, were there any particular dancers, characters, or performances that really inspired you early in your career? Yeah, it's different from today where you can have Instagram and YouTube and you can see everybody. I had like one videotape of Darcy Bustle from the Royal Ballet and I watched it over and over and over and she was just perfection. And that was like what I aspired to be. And then I think I really took a lot of inspiration from my teachers. I had a Cuban teacher down in Florida, Magda Anyan, and she believed in me from the time we moved there, which was when I was nine. And she really like helped shape my career. And she was really a huge inspiration for me. And just making sure that I was exposed to other dancers. She would bring other dancers in. She would bring me to competitions. So she kind of took me around and really exposed me at a young age that I probably wouldn't have gotten anywhere else. It's always good there to have those influences and diving deeper into your personal journey. How do you think your personal experiences and growth have shaped your dance style and creative approach over the years? Has it changed? Oh, absolutely. I think everything that you go through as an artist shapes the art you create. And, you know, there were times where life was great. <laughs> and I remember those ballets and how I was. And then there were times where things were not great. And you were going through things and how art became an outlet. 
and how to work through. And I really, you know, after stepping off the stage, I think that's the one thing I miss the most is having that outlet because I really used the art and the opportunity to express emotion physically. The daily grind of going through a class and exercises that were the same every day. It's almost a form of meditation and therapy. So it was, it was really interesting. But I always, you know, you would say, check your baggage at the door. Don't, don't bring it into the studio. But I find that the most interesting artists bring that into the studio because you have so much more to say when you've experienced things. And people want to see that. They want to see the humanity. They want to see. I watch dancers now in my own company. Man, I feel like they've lived a whole nother life and they're so young, but they have something that they need to get out and leave on the stage. And for me, when you can use your experiences through life, it just makes you so much more of an interesting artist. Fantastic. Yeah. Regimen does have some sort of comfort and can provide a little bit of that calmness. But you're right. It's so important to still bring yourself into all of the activities that you get involved in. Yeah. And today, too, so much emphasis is based on physicality. And with Instagram, it's all about extremes. How many turns can you do? How high is your leg? How much does your foot arch? And far less of it is focused on the actual humanity and artistry of it. People almost don't have enough time to invest in the artistry of it. And for me, that, that's what I enjoy the most from the artists in my company now and watching just as a spectator. I want to feel something. I don't want to see tricks. I want to feel something. Yeah, that emotional component. It, it really what brings it to life. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Otherwise, it's just, you know, a sport. <laughs> right. Now, we all need a little bit of balance in our lives. What other interests or hobbies do you have to contribute to your well-being and creativity? Yeah, I mean, I absolutely love traveling. Any opportunity, I found that while I was dancing, any opportunity to be in another country and stay there for longer than my performance, I would take. I'd be like, oh, can I stay here for another week all by my you know, hotel? But can you make my plane take in a, a week later? Because I'm fascinated by other cultures and what I can learn from them. I really also found midway through my career that education for me was an outlet because it expanded me beyond the, the ballet bubble and it got me thinking about things differently and shifted my perspective and also allowed me to have relationships with different kinds of people that I didn't get in, in the ballet world. So that for a lot of my career was an outlet for me. I love to read. I could sit and read for hours. <laughs> And now it's turned more into family and, and my kids are an outlet for me. I'd still love to like sit on the beach and read a good book, but maybe in 10 years <laughs> when they're older. But yeah, yeah sure. it's finding things that kind of expose me to different perspectives I really enjoy. Got it. And curious, if you weren't in the arts or running your own company here, what do you think you'd be doing professionally? I always joke that I'm going to like move to a small island and open an Airbnb and like have something that's not stressful. But in all honesty, I mean, I love what I do and I love beating people. So I feel like trying to make things better is what I like to do. So in any capacity that could be in, in any organization, I think that I would be happy. Yeah, bringing your hobbies 
in your talents in another in another space. And shifting gears to your leadership style, how would you describe it? And as an artistic director, and what do you believe are the most important qualities for guiding and nurturing talent in the world of dance? I feel like my leadership style is evolving. <laughs> it's always evolving, and it changes, and that, and it changes from situations that I learn from. And it changes from situations that are presented and having gone through them now. And I really think that for me, one of the key components is transparency, being direct, being empathetic, and at least allowing a platform for discussion. And those are the things I really, really try to uphold with our company because inevitably there's things that happen when you're managing people, especially artists who are not, they're not just working a job, they're working their passion. So they come at things with a very, very personal, you know, this is their life work. So when they come to you with issues, it's not just interpersonal in the office issues. It's like, this is their life's work. And you have to handle that with care because you don't want to ruin somebody's life work. And also it's subjective. It's art, you know, and what might not be my cup of tea might be somebody else's. So you really, you know, it's about, you know, managing and nurturing artists and allowing them a safe space to explore their own artistry, but also being direct. That if this might not be the place for them, or if something isn't working, that they also hear that as well. So it's a balance. It's hard, you know, and it's every day I'm like, did I build that the right way? But I think that's part of it too, right? And it's about questioning and, and taking each situation that you're presented with and learning from it and then moving forward and saying, I do it the same way or I, I do it next, different next time. So, yeah, but it's, it's always evolving. That's good to hear. I mean, you provide that canvas and then you kind of let the, kind of let the art form in onto that uh, stage there. And there's so much, you just radiate a lot of warmth and passion around everything that you're talking about with dance. So in balancing work and personal life, that can be challenging as a busy parent, as a wife. As a director, how are you able to split up the time among the different responsibilities that you have? It's another thing that's involved. <laughs> it's super hard. And my husband is part of the organization as well. He's our artistic curator and resident choreographer. And sometimes I feel like we never leave work because, as I mentioned, it's our passion. Like it is our passion as well. And we want to talk about everything at dinner and we want to talk about it when we wake up. So there's sometimes where we're like, we need to take a break. We just need to take a break. And I also feel like there are weeks where he's choreographing a new ballet and he needs to be 100% in the studio and in the ballet. And I pick up, okay, I need to be with the kids and I'm doing after school and I'm doing homework and bedtime and taking care of them so that he can focus. And then there's other weeks where I'm like, I have so much going on. I'm planning the season. I'm doing contracts. We're doing stuff for the theater and and he takes up. So we've figured this balance out that works really well. And and I've also given myself a bit of grace 
in terms of sometimes like, oh, you know, they're so young and I'm, I'm working so much. But at the same time, I'll hear my daughter be like, my mom's the director. And like every time that happens, you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> well, okay, I'm the great story. My daughter asked me, she said, mom, do you think that a dad could ever be a director? And I was like, yes. <laughs> she doesn't even think that's possible. That's so cool. Super woman there. Yeah, that's a fantastic one. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I started laughing so hard. My husband was like, great, thanks. <laughs> so it sounds like a lot of collaboration and open communication. Was that something that you and your husband, for example, was that something you had kind of established from the beginning or did that also evolve? It absolutely evolved. We were both dancers and we knew we worked well together. You know, we had danced together for 15 years and our attributes are very different in what we do. And we complement each other a lot. We kind of fill each other's holes. And I think that it just works really well in this organization as well for us. Uh, and also when you have kids, you just figure it out. Like no one's prepared. No one knows what they're doing. You know, and you just figure it out. And there are some weeks where I literally feel like we hand kids back and forth and we're like ships in the night. And and then there's other weeks where I feel like where we get more time. So it's, and that's, it's important for that too, to work on our relationship and work on maintaining like this whole family dynamic. So I'm very aware of that. That's important. Yeah. And you, there's, you've spoken earlier about nurturing talent. So Mentorship plays a crucial role, as you mentioned before, in any artistic career. How do you approach mentoring that next generation? How do you do it with that sense of thoughtful care while still encouraging them to pursue their personality and explore that? Yeah, I think providing opportunity is huge. That's the main thing. And we've started a like a choreographic workshop in our company where our dancers take a program and they choreograph for the program. And not only do they choreograph, but another dancer steps in and they're the rehearsal director for that. And it turns them around and it puts them at the front of the room and it gives them a sense of agency and authority. And I think part of mentoring the next, you know, generation of leadership is also allowing them to speak because our art form is silent. And you spend your entire education and dance in silence, accepting what somebody else is saying. And now that's starting to change where dancers are given a little bit more of a voice in the studio, but not really, you know, up until you're a professional and you kind of take ownership of that voice. So it's really taking these kids who are just getting out of schools at 19 and 20 and giving them an opportunity to talk about their art and show their art and express themselves. I had them introduce each of their pieces and explain their inspiration, but also for public speaking and then talk about what worked, what didn't, and evaluating that after the fact. I'm also really interested in Asking dancers, what other part of the organization are you interested in? Even if it's on the administrative side. So I have dancers who work in marketing and in development. And they're 
still dancers in the company, but they're getting extra pay and working on the admin side and, and learning how the organization works. And I find that those dancers have such a greater perspective of the organization as a whole, and they can understand kind of the larger picture rather than just being an artist. And it's about you and your body, but they can understand it as a whole. So it makes for a well-rounded person, you know, to have those people. Yeah, I think it's incredibly important to understand the motivations and interests outside of what they're just mainly doing to, like you said, make them a little bit more well-rounded. Yeah. So storytelling through movement, that can be powerful and challenging. What are some of the obstacles you face in expressing complex emotions and stories? Because like you mentioned, a lot of it is not really, it's unspoken. So through dance, how do you overcome these hurdles by creating these compelling performances? Yeah, I mean, that's part of the art form, right? And how do you express emotions with your body without words? That's also becoming a little bit more difficult now when complex themes are harder to tell. You have to be a lot more careful than we were in the past. And that's not a bad thing. We're evaluating the art form. We're evaluating the stories we want to tell and what we want to say and how we want to say them. But people are far less willing to come to a ballet and see something and want to talk about it and discuss it. They just want to have an opinion and scream it <laughs> from Facebook or somewhere. And, and it's harder to have conversations and discourse and, and really discuss art for my director, my old director used to say, well, even if the performance was bad, if you're still thinking about it the next day, then it was something about it was interesting, right? So that's what we want. We want art to be interesting and thought-provoking. But if we can't provoke anybody, it's harder. <laughs> it's, it's a hard balance right now. And I, you also have to think about where, you, where your audience is and what they want to see. And I think especially post-pandemic, a lot of our audience wants an escape and to see beauty and something a little bit lighter. So I've, I take that into consideration as I'm programming things like where is our audience right now and what, what do they need to see right now? And then maybe it's, maybe it's going to be a few years before we really put darker, thought-provoking work back on the stage because people just need a second to, to be brought back to the beauty of art and to see beautiful things. So it's an interesting time to create art by, for comedians, for artists, for movie directors, you know, everybody. It's, it's an interesting time and we're navigating that in, in such a different way. So like I said, it's not bad. It's just different. Right. It seems like there's this transitory perversion back to the roots in a sense for now until there's kind of a re-pushing of the boundaries and exploring some of the just darker themes as you're mentioning. Yeah. It's really when you step back and you're like, okay. And it's, it's almost you're hesitant too because of what we've been through and we're relying on selling tickets and you want, want those blockbusters and you want people to come to the theater and be happy. So you're a little bit hesitant to take um, chances right now. And if you don't take chance in art, it's not interesting. So how do you manage that? It's really difficult. Okay, let's go there then. So looking towards the future, how would you like to see dance and the arts? What role 
do you hope in shaping the form? Artistic directors are the gatekeepers of the art form. There's no way around that. So we decide what is presented on stage and we program the seasons. So it is up to us to allow platforms for different voices. And I think that that for me is the biggest thing is, am I providing platforms for all different types of artists to make art on stage and make new art and also respect kind of some of the traditions of our art form as well? And what does that look like? And which traditions do we want to celebrate and support as we move forward? And then also, what are some of the stories? We have all these kind of historical ballets that are still in our repertoire. Um, but what are today's traditional story ballets that are going to be there 200 years from now? Like, what are the stories that we want to tell today? So I'm constantly looking for those and constantly looking for the next up and coming voices. We're in a u- unique position because we're a smaller company and I can kind of get people before they're, they're big, you know, and I like to try to find those people and give them a platform and give them a safe space to make something. And it's not as scary, I think, as some of like a larger platform or a bigger company. They can take a little bit more chance with our dancers, which I found is really great for us. If they're willing to work with our dancers and come here and, and do something a little bit more envelope pushing. Got it. Yeah, let's let's dig into some of the topics or themes, or important themes. In your opinion, what are the pressing topics that dance and the arts can help address, explore? I think like I was saying that it is therapeutic and I think it's therapeutic for an audience as well. There was a study that as you're sitting watching live art that everybody's heartbeat in in the theater starts to beat at the same rate. And it's this idea of a shared community and a shared experience. And so much of what we do right now is not shared. It feels shared. Because you're on a platform on your phone or your computer and you feel like you're sharing it with other people, but you're not in that moment with other people. And I think that's really important for us to continue to express that that's why live art is so important because it is this shared experience. And inevitably, you finish, you leave, you know, and you're like, I feel so much better. I don't know why, but you do. You feel better. And I went and saw a play two weeks ago with my husband. Why don't we do this every night? I feel great. It was interesting and thought-provoking. And we had different experiences watching it. And we can talk about it. And I think that that's really important to, to really bring our audience back in a way that they understand the importance of live theater and live art on stage and to not just rely on it through a screen. That's wonderful. And for folks who aren't necessarily typically exposed to the arts, dance, ballet, what would your, I think you've provided kind of a a lot of really great and interesting points to gravitate people to at least give it a shot. But what would you say, like, what is something that they can do or explore? Where would you recommend that folks check out? I mean, we try, a lot of people say, oh, like the story ballets, right? Come see Swan Lake or come see Sleeping Beauty because that's what you think of, you know? And I'm trying to get people to come to the more contemporary programs because I think that that's an easier way for people to experience 
like kind of in a triple bill, like three different styles of art that's a little bit shorter, kind of like a meal. And I want them to come. And so I'm trying to think of like a thread, like how do you get people into the seats? You know, so like next year we've created a program called Off the Chart and it's with music, you know, so it's musical themed. So you kind of, you go from, oh, art could be, this program could be anything. And you kind of narrow it down to like, oh, there's going to be some through line and there's going to be something I recognize. There's going to be music by Etta James and this is by Gershwin. I know what those are. And then I try to really utilize video components of the choreographers before each piece to give them a kind of concept of what they're going to see. And so it's partly educational. And then they'll watch the piece. And I've had so many people intermission and they're like, thank you for providing that because I would have had no idea what I was watching. But you, you allowed us to kind of, you don't tell them exactly what they're going to see, but you guide them. And it's like walking through a museum with the little, you know, earphones on. And you, then you appreciate the art so much more because you know more about it and you have some sort of a personal connection. So I think really working towards educating our audiences and giving them that through line will allow them to really appreciate the art in a different way. And hopefully then they're not worried about coming to see something that they may not understand. Yeah, providing that context to at least have them have some sense of comfortability around what they're about to be exposed to. That's really important. Thank yeah. you for sharing that. Now, I'm going to take a step back. On a personal level, what traits have you found instrumental to kind of living a meaningful life? A meaningful life? Loving what I do. I think that I don't feel like I've ever worked a day in my life. I feel like I got paid to do what I love. And I got to travel the world and then I got lucky enough to be able to now give that to the next generation. And that's really meaningful to me to be able to have that. And and also, I don't think of it as, as working crazy hours. It's more like it's my passion and I want to push the art form and I want to make sure this art form doesn't, that it's not complacent, that it doesn't die, that the next generation appreciates it in a way just to see where we can push it. And also, I want to provide a better culture and environment for the dancers than one that I grew up in. And I didn't have a terribly traumatic career in that sense, but there were things, you know, there were things that I was like, you know, checking all these boxes. I wish that was different. I wish I could do that better. And now it's like, put your money where your mouth is. <laughs> it's now my opportunity. And now I'm in a position where I can make that better. And how do you do that? So I do, I feel grateful that I'm in that position now, but I do feel a sense of responsibility to do that well. Yeah. Keeping tabs along life. Sometimes the, you'll, you'll see things and it might not be earth shattering, but as you gain more and more responsibility, as you have that opportunity, as you're mentioning, to make a difference at some point in time, I really respect and admire the traits that you're mentioning around just creating more for the community and giving back and pushing progress, right? That's that's wonderful. Yeah, and really expanding. We always talk about that we're not just teaching dance, we're teaching life lessons. It's not just dance education, it's discipline, it's resiliency. It's how do you walk into a room with your shoulders back and posture. You know, there's just so much that 
this art form can teach. And then hopefully those people will go on to be dance lovers if they're not dancers themselves. So that's a huge component of it as well. Fantastic. And as we wrap up, speaking to that next crop who's going to be in positions similar to yours, what advice would you give to those who are looking to make a difference through art or any other creative form? Uh, I think the biggest thing I would say is embrace change. Embrace that there's opportunity change and that it's inevitable. And you don't want things to be static. If they're static, they're comfortable. And especially in art, that's not a good place to be. <laughs> so embracing that there's room for uncomfortability and that's okay, that you don't always have to feel like you're on the right path and to trust the process. I think that's a big thing, especially for artists, because sometimes you feel like it is the work, is it working? Is it going to pay off? Is something going to happen? And also it just offers you a, a moment to have perspective as well, to step back. Like I was saying, for so long in my career, I was only focused on me as the artist. I was the artist. And then the minute I started understanding the organism that was the institution, all the things that went in it, I was also able to say, oh, that was personal. That was just kind of the way things were. And it was so much easier to accept things as I got further on in my career, because I could say, oh, that wasn't about me. That wasn't a personal thing. That was simply just a decision that had to happen. And it was part of the way the business runs. And that's sometimes lost in the art, the way the business runs, <laughs> which, you know, is good and bad. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for taking the time today. I really appreciate the conversation. Oh, thank you so much. This was wonderful. Appreciate it. What a wonderfully refreshing conversation with Kathleen as she radiated such passion and positivity about the arts. If you've listened this far, please try to show up to life's responsibilities and challenges with a sense of purpose. Until next time, I'm Be Be Yourself.